Lord. Matthew 2, verse 11. Matthew 2 and verse 11. Familiar passage, of course, this time of the year. And uh, let's read together Matthew 2, 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And certainly uh, familiar because of the story of the wise men coming from the east, uh, astronomers who looked for signs in the heavens, and, uh, and oftentimes the passing of a king or the birth of a king, royalty, uh, they looked for these signs and, and, uh, and uh, interpreted them, I guess, as far as uh, the power and the glory. Well, obviously, they don't just look to the stars, they look to the scriptures. Because that's even more steady and more eternal than the stars. And I'm thankful we can put our trust there. Amen. You can be seated. Now, a manger scene is a common enough uh, sight. Probably you have one or more in your home. And um, uh, churches display them. They're in town squares, if the political atmosphere allows. <laughs> and uh, people are not defacing uh, them. But let me have you uh, just think tonight. Think of the uh, most unique uh, or creative nativity scene you've ever seen, you've ever witnessed. Think of the nativity scene. And uh, go ahead and share what made it unique to you, Sister Glover. I saw a picture of one today and it was made out of acorns. <laughs> made out of acorns. Well, now, that is very unique. It is very different. I can't even imagine what a nativity scene made out of acorns would look like. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Sister Belinda. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's an interesting presentation of uh, animals and then cultures and and so on. Wow. Anybody else? Here's a picture of one that uh, I saw when uh, we were at, in the hospital uh, visiting my nephew Robert. And uh, I, I don't know if you can see it that well, but it's all uh, pieces of ivory that have been carved into animals of Alaska. And not just animals, but fish. You see the halibut land there? <laughs> and 
owls and the seals and, of course, the land mammals. And uh, they're all gathered around. I thought, that's pretty unique, pretty amazing. Uh, I, don't, I hesitate to think of what the cost would be of something like that because of the carving of ivory that uh, is so expensive. But they had it right out there by the elevator, and not in a glass case or anything, just uh, uh, beautiful. So this time of the year, obviously, uh, the depiction of worship. Worship. They're all there to worship. And uh, thank the Lord that's, that's where we are in our, uh, this time of the year especially, worship, because that's a common factor. You look at the shepherds, you look at the wise men, um, the angels, and uh, even King Herod. He was deceitful about it, of course. He, he instructed the wise men, let me know where he is. I want to worship him. Well, we know, we know he had deadly intent. It wasn't worship. He wanted to eliminate um, the king of the Jews, as the wise men termed him. And so they uh, fortunately heard the voice of the Lord and went home another way. Praise God. And uh, the insane king uh, then took revenge uh, in another way that is, was drastic and uh, a terrible Terrible catastrophe for all uh, the little ones around Bethlehem. But um, I'm thankful that we have uh, this story to look back on, not just a, a story, but a reality of what that baby uh, would mean. Praise God. Can you imagine uh, that little baby uh, in the back there and uh, the Christ child uh, looking just like that? peaceful and quiet, and uh, then becoming awake when its needs uh, needed attention, and uh, vulnerable, um, just helpless. And uh, the Christ coming like that, you know, it didn't fit. It didn't fit a lot of the scenarios that people had in mind as far as the Messiah and the King being. But I'm thankful that we're able to recognize uh, the plan of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, and the work that was accomplished there. Some say it was a silent night, uh, and uh, the shepherds saw a glorious sight. And uh, I, you moms um, weren't very, I, I don't know, did anybody give birth silently? Probably not. At least not the ones that I've been a part of. <laughs> now, now, my sister Glover did very well in delivering the twins, and then uh, Jeff as well did very well. I, but you know, they're they're it's not silent. And uh, thank God for the glorious sight. Of, of that child, Brother Carnley. You remember Brother Carnley? He had a growth on his nose. And uh, he would explain, this is not a booger. When my wife was having her child, she squeezed my hand so hard that this popped out. <laughs> he's, full of, he's full of fun. 
<laughs> but um, the shepherds, you know, uh, I don't know what they were expecting. Probably not expecting anything. Expecting a silent night. Um, maybe interrupted by a bear. Interrupted by a lion. You know, we know a shepherd long ago did battle with those. Um, interrupted by or visited by a wolf. Um, who knows what kind of predators would be around uh, their flock. But they surely did not expect an angelic band to show up. Uh, that must have been a total surprise for the angel of the Lord to appear and the glory of God shining around. Wow. That must have been absolutely amazing. And, uh, and then the announcement being made, uh, unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Wow. How amazing, because generation after generation after generation anticipated that birth, hoped for that birth, looked for that birth, prayed for the Messiah to come. Because in their mind, in the fulfillment of Scripture, the Messiah would restore the glory to Israel and remove all pagan and heathen influence and uh, the glory of uh, Solomon's temple and so on. Uh, would all come back in David's time, David's city, Bethlehem. Um, all of these aspects would uh, had fallen into place. Amen. But, again, a baby? Joseph and Mary? <laughs> you know, it just does not fit what, uh, what everybody may have thought. And even the wise men coming, they went to Jerusalem to start with. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? The, surely he's going to be in the capital. He's going to be in the largest city. And, um, and he wasn't. He was in Bethlehem. It wasn't even in a, um, a nice hotel. It wasn't even in a nice house, in a stable. And um, how, how interesting. Now, the sign that was given to the shepherds was he, he is going to be in the manger. He is going to be in the stable, and they said, let us go. And so they, they left. Now, uh, who was watching the flock? Who was, you know, I'm sure they didn't just up and all skedaddle full blast uh, in the darkness, feeling their way along with, the, with their staffs. Uh, I'm sure they left somebody in charge. In Lamentations 327, um, Thomas is going to read that for us, Lamentations 3 and 27, because I'm pretty sure they left somebody responsible. Somebody had to take care of the flock, those helpless little lambs, and the, the ewes, and, uh, and so on. So what does Lamentations 3.27 say? Oh, so there's probably a young shepherd, or maybe a couple of them. You guys stay here. You watch carefully. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let them wander too far. Let them get a drink of water. Let them nibble on the grass a bit, but you make sure they stay here. Yeah, that's what the young shepherds were responsible for. And then the others went dashing into Bethlehem 
and uh, knew where to go because they were from Bethlehem, and that's where the sacrificial lambs were provided from to be sacrificed in Jerusalem on the Passover especially. Because uh, Jerusalem was a, a metropolitan area. They, they didn't have lambs running all over the place. And that's why those money changers were in the temple that upset the Lord. And he upset their tables. Because the transactions were needed. They, they needed to exchange money, you know, money from all over, uh, different currencies. And then they needed to make a purchase of a lamb suitable for sacrifice. So that, that was acceptable. But they brought it into the temple, and that was the problem. Nonetheless... These shepherds came and found the, uh, the, the babe lying in a manger, just like they were told, just like that sign was given. And the wise men came a long ways, traveled a long time, and they too wanted to join in worship. Now, there's some conjecture as to uh, when this may have happened and... Uh, Herod inquiring, when did you see the star? And they gave the timeline and so on. And there's some thought that, uh, okay, it was uh, uh, quite a while. They were traveling uh, that length of time and, and, and so on. And that's why Herod ordered the slaughter of uh, every child two years and under. Well, you also have to keep in mind um, that this was the paranoia of an insane king. And um, he, you know, Scripture doesn't say he was insane, but I think you, you can look in the historical record and probably find he was very sick and um, very uh, paranoid <coughs> as far as uh, any interloper or anyone usurping his throne and uh, feeling like he's going to eliminate uh, all who would be a contender. Isn't he the one that eliminated his own son? Um, you know, that's how, that's how weird he was. <laughs> and uh, so far out of whack there. But thank God we then have the opportunity to worship. And uh, worship uh, is something that uh, we, we do, whether we're in church, uh, in our prayer time at home, uh, driving our car in our, our, our workplace. We don't do it out loud necessarily uh, in our workplace, but uh, in our minds, there, there's the, the opportunity to, uh, to worship and to pray. Uh, amazing that, <laughs> that, that there was somebody standing on a street corner across from an abortion clinic who was arrested. Because they asked, were you praying? Praying in her mind, praying in her thoughts, standing there on the corner and arrested. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? It's indicative of the world that we live in. Um, now, she was marching with placards and shouting with a bullhorn and, and uh, you know, creating a disturbance. I suppose there would be grounds for 
uh, an arrest. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's uh, wow. It's a very different world. Um, and uh, but does that mean we're intimidated? That means we we uh, uh, have to be silent? No. I I think our testimony can go forth. I think we can proclaim uh, the risen Lord and uh, celebrate the uh, the baby Christ Jesus. I, all of that. Praise God. Um, but our world is becoming more and more uh, adverse and uh, heathen in their direction. Now, does that mean they don't worship? Oh, they worship. They've got things that we worship, they worship. But thank God we know who we worship. And the respect, the honor, the devotion, the praise, however you want to define worship, I'm thankful that we can raise that to the Lord. Acts 17 in 23, Paul encountered um, philosophers and Stoics and Epicureans uh, who all they did was debate issues. All they did was present evidence and uh, controversies and uh, ideas and weigh the benefits of them and detract from them and so on. And uh, Paul stepped into that arena and preached Jesus Christ. The one you ignorantly worship. <laughs> uh, the one you're not sure about. The one you're, you, you have to the unknown God. You know, let me tell you who he is. Praise God. And thank the Lord. Uh, Paul, again, was not intimidated in spite of his introduction being, what's this babbler going to say? Um, that's quite an introduction for a speaker. But... Uh, didn't intimidate him. He stepped right in and uh, spoke the truth of the Word of God. And we thank the Lord that he, uh, he, he was successful in that there were a few who uh, listened to what he had to say and followed the truth. Praise God. And there, the majority, of course, continued on with their discourse, their discussion, their debate, and uh, missed it. Completely. Hopefully, hopefully, there were some later on who looked at the value of what the Apostle Paul had to say and took it to heart and maybe even contacted the few who believed and, um, and said, what happened? What, what, what did you hear that we didn't hear? What did you feel that we didn't feel? You know, and then uh, be able to go on into the truth of the word of the Lord and be blessed. But Here's, uh, here's the thought tonight. When we worship, there are some things we're going to leave behind and some things we're going to bring. Okay? Leave behind and bring. And that's what we want to be able to distinguish here. Obviously, the shepherds left behind the sheep and uh, their... Uh, responsibility at least for uh, a time and, um, and and priority became that announcement by the angel is accurate we're gonna hurry to find out what's been said and sure enough here they come uh, to the stable Mary and Joseph the Christ child in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes just like the angel said and no doubt the praise and the worship of that heavenly host still ringing in their ears 
Man, that must have been a sight. That must have been incredible. That's what we're going to see in the heavenly realm. Praise God. And be lifted up in the power and the presence of the Lord. So there are things that we leave behind. And uh, the principle uh, that was established for the, uh, the first marriage in Genesis 2 and 24, leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife. That, that leaving to join, of course, is very important. Abraham left his country and journeyed into a place where God would show him. You can imagine the faith that that required and um, the inquiries that were made of him. Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. What are you going to do? I'm going to worship. I'm going to serve. Who are you going to serve? God. Who's, who's your God? You know, because they had idols. They had uh, objects of worship. And uh, Abraham turned his back on all of that and followed the one who put fire on the altar. Amen. And demonstrated how powerful he was and the blessing that would come forth as a result. Praise God. So, leaving some things behind. Um, and I say things uh, because uh, the sheep were things, the lambs were things, the ewes were things. But um, attitudes, uh, emotions, um, uh, you, you look in the record and the angel said it over and over, fear not. Thank God we can leave our fears behind. Amen. We can leave, uh, well, tears. Tears are often a part of our worship. Uh, tears of gratitude, of thankfulness, of, of joy. And, and sometimes tears that are bitter. Tears of sorrow. And, um, and we bring those to the Lord and um, offer them as a, a sacrifice and a worship unto the Lord. But thank God that we can leave those kinds of things behind when we come into worship. Because perfect love, the Bible says, casts out fear. And perfect love is what the Lord offers to us. Perfection. Praise God. And uh, uh, I'm thankful that he then understands and recognizes the struggle that we have sometimes with fear. Wow, especially in situations that we face today, perilous times. Perilous. And uh, it's just a, a situation, again, where um, I'm thankful we can step into the realm of worship and, uh, and obey the things of the Lord. Remember that young man that came to the Lord and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord went down the list. And to his credit, the young man said, all those things have I kept from my youth up. Thank God, young people can serve the Lord. They don't have to go the way of the world. They don't have to fall into the traps uh, of the devil and society and so on. And so the young man declared, I I've kept those things from my youth up. What lack I yet? He wasn't prepared for the answer, was he? You know, you can ask the Lord a lot of questions, but you, you, you need to be prepared for his answer and be willing to keep serving, even if the answer is not the one you expected. Because sometimes the answer is no. 
Sometimes the answer is wait. And we've, our faith has got to grab a hold of what the Lord is trying to tell us. Go and sell what thou hast and give to the poor. Well, he was rich. He had, he had a lot. And, um, and he went away sorrowful because he didn't want to leave it behind and step into obedience with the Lord. Now, I, I, I want to point out here that the, I, don't, I don't think it's in the record that Jesus said, give it all. I don't think that's what the Lord intended. But to be willing to part with what he had, he was not able to take that step. Have to leave some things behind. Or, like the wise men, you have to give. And I suppose that's what the Lord was trying to get the young man to recognize, to give, to be willing to give. And those uh, wise men came with their treasures. They opened their treasures. They presented their gifts. And uh, I don't know, uh, you know, how practical those gifts were. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not very practical, but significant, great significance attached to the gifts that were given by those wise men because they were royalty themselves or they served uh, in the palace of, of royalty and they, they knew what a king uh, would value, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, of course, we know how um, uh, what they were presenting and the significance of it as well uh, was very important. The frankincense being aromatic incense, uh, representing his deity. Um, the gold representing his royalty. And uh, the myrrh looking ahead. Looking ahead to what? When his body would be prepared for burial. Um, that's kind of a sad note, isn't it? And certainly not to dampen the excitement and the enthusiasm of Christmas, but to also rec recognize that's what he came for. He was born to die. And uh, we're all going to die. It, it, it's going to happen to each one of us. So I suppose we can all say we're born to die. But Jesus, born to die 33 years later, and uh, on a cross, forsaken, um, and um, shedding his blood, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, all of the aspects there that were so important for him to be able to fulfill. Thank the Lord that he gave himself. And uh, I'm thankful that the blessings of God would come uh, as we leave some things behind, but also as we give unto the Lord and do the work that God would do. Amen. The shepherd's testimony. Let's take a look in Luke 2, 17. Um, when the wise men came, uh, they didn't go to a stable. They, were, they found him in the house. The star appeared. They rejoiced with great joy and uh, all of those aspects. But look at uh, Luke 2 and 17, where uh, they are talking about the, uh, what they had seen, what they had heard, the sayings that were told them by the angel, 
And they're, they're sharing this. They're letting others know. And they're, they're talking about it. They can't, can't keep quiet. Well, after a manifestation like that, I imagine you'd be pretty shook up and be willing to tell what you have seen. Go to verse 20. In verse 20, likewise, um, showing how excited they were, glorifying and praising God. They couldn't be quiet about it. The things that they had heard and seen and uh, what was told to them. They're, they're being very vocal. They're being very bold. They're letting everybody that they encounter know about this situation. So, I'm thinking that, they, that, may, that those testimonies and uh, that declaration may have opened some doors for Joseph. You know, some righteous individual who believed the scriptures uh, would have said, what are you doing in the stable? Come, I've got a house. I've got an extra room. Come and, and be in my house. This is my imagination now. If you can find fault with my imagination, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> but that may be why the wise men found them in a house. Because somebody finally woke up and realized it doesn't. No, 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 not the stable. Come and be in my house. But anyway, the wise men rejoiced with exceeding great joy and then presented those gifts uh, unto the Lord. And thank God that they had that opportunity to, um, uh, to bring something to uh, the, uh, the situation. Now, remember also... Um, yeah, the angels were quite busy here with messages all the time and, and uh, uh, messages giving in, in their sleep. And remember that Joseph is warned that Herod is seeking to destroy um, uh, the baby Jesus. And uh, sadly, that happened throughout the population. But because Joseph was warned, he took his little family to Egypt. And there he stayed until Herod uh, passed away and the threat uh, was gone and the angel again gave the message, it's okay to return. And they did come back. So thank the Lord that there uh, is that opportunity for them to uh, escape uh, what was done. And Herod, in his anger and his fury, um, ordered his soldiers to go and eliminate all the children. And... and uh, there was weeping in Ramah, is the prophecy of Jeremiah. And, uh, oh my, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine the sorrow and the pain, the heartache uh, of those poor families, poor moms and dads. Uh, man's evil uh, cannot be minimized, cannot be glossed over, cannot be said to just, oh, well, nobody's perfect. That's why repentance is so important. That's why asking God for forgiveness is so necessary because our hearts harbor uh, some, uh, some aspects there that uh, that need to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why baptism is so important, because our sins need to be remitted. Praise God. And then 
the infilling of the Holy Ghost to give us power not to go back to that mess, not to continue in the things of the world, but to overcome so that we can serve the Lord with gladness and know his power and his blessing uh, to be brought forth. Praise God. And I'm thankful we then can present our lives, our hearts, our talents, our giftings, our, our everything that we have, being able to be presented to the Lord and have his goodness. Now, we give to Christmas for Christ, and you know what you're giving? You're giving a church. And a church to a community that doesn't have the truth being taught, the truth being preached, the truth being lived. There's a portion of it, of course, but the full truth. Jesus declaring, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then instilling a love for that truth. Praise God. And uh, championing that truth. Praise God. That's what you are giving to. And then Ephesians 5.27 lets us know he's coming back for a glorious church. He's going to present to himself. What a present. That's what you're giving when you give to Christmas for Christ. So it's not just a, a program uh, that we have as a church organization. But uh, last year, 120 churches were started because you helped give. Amen. That's quite a few, isn't it? Praise God. And uh, thank the Lord that there's uh, even uh, more missionaries, I'm sure, who are going to answer the call to go and plant a church and uh, be ready when the Lord comes uh, to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle, not having blemish, just like that sacrificial lamb, perfect. And uh, thank God uh, the Lord is looking not for a lamb, but for a bride, the bride of Christ. And thank God that we're able to give ourselves and to give uh, what we are able to do uh, for the Lord and to be blessed by him. Now, life is not fair. We know that. We know the problems, the difficulties, the traps, um, the, uh, the afflictions. All of the things that, that come against us are, are so hard. You probably have not heard of... Um, a man named Robertson McGilkin. He's the president of Columbia International University. And uh, let me just share briefly his testimony. Um, he, he says, life was heavy. My dearest friend, my intimate companion, my delightful wife, Muriel, was slipping away one painful loss at a time. It wasn't cancer, it wasn't kidney disease, it wasn't emphysema, it was Alzheimer's. The full impact of what was happening hit home. And then, in addition to that, their oldest son, Bob, was lost in a diving accident. And two years later, 
in order to care for his wife, Muriel, he had to retire uh, from his work. And uh, when he was at the peak of his career, the president of a university, he quit so that he could take care of her. It, that's for better or for worse, right? That's in sickness and in health. That's the vow. That's the commitment. A lot of people would, uh, a lot of people today wouldn't, wouldn't honor that vow, but this man did. He said, I was numb, not bitter, let alone angry. Why should I be? He said, that's the way life is, life in a broken world. But the passion in my love for God had evaporated, he said, leaving a residue of resignation where once had been vibrant faith. See, he's hitting rock bottom, isn't he? He's having a tough time. He said, I knew that I was in deep trouble, and I did the only thing I knew to do. I went away to a mountain hideaway for prayer and fasting. It took about 24 hours, he said, to shake free of preoccupation with my own wounds and to focus on the excellencies of God. Change the focus. Change the picture. Doesn't eliminate the suffering. Doesn't eliminate the pain, the hurt, the tears, the loss. But he said, as I did, slowly love began to be rekindled. And with love came joy. He said, I wrote God a love letter. And I'm, I'm amazed at how what he included there. He said, I named 41 of his marvelous gifts to me. Spotlighting 11 of his grandest acts in history and exalting in 10 of his characteristics that exceed my imagination. Now, he's quite a student of the Bible, isn't he? And and, uh, and remembering the, his own history, his own situations, that he, in spite of the loss of his oldest son, in spite of the loss of his wife's memory. And uh, I remember reading uh, about them being in an airport and um, answering his wife for the 11th time, you know, about when the plane is going to be ready to go and and so on, just the same questions over and over. And uh, quit his job so that he could take care of her. And his love starting to dry up. But he took time to focus, to focus on the Lord. Surely he enjoyed my gratitude, he wrote. Who doesn't appreciate gratitude? But I discovered something else. Something happened to me. I call it the reflex action of thanksgiving. My love flamed up from the dying embers and my spirit soared. I discovered gratitude impoverishes, but that a heavy heart lifts on the wings of praise. You know, he got his praise back. He got his thankfulness back. And with that came a lifting 
so that he could um, recognize it. It's okay. God's, God's going to bring us through this. God's going to help us through. And, um, and there are people who have worse conditions than McGilkin. There are people who have less burdens to carry than he does. And, um, but the, but the, the remedy, uh, the, the fix that he found was to be thankful, to give God praise, and to focus uh, his faith on, on him. Um, we leave some things behind when we worship him. We bring some things to him when we worship him. Praise God. And uh, it may not be a conscious thing that we, you know, uh, sit down and make a list. What am I leaving behind when I come to church Sunday? Uh, what am I going to bring when I come to church Sunday? It may not be something that, uh, uh, you know, we, we consciously um, think about. But, but I trust that there's a, a recognition. My worship does something for me that nothing else can. My worship is what God is looking for when he comes. See, the, uh, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. John 24, or 4.24. We, we know and understand um, that the Lord... Um, it, it almost seemed like he tried to turn off the worship. He tried to say, don't tell anybody that you've been healed. You know, how could you not? My goodness, you never, you never saw before, you never heard before, you, you never walked before. How could you not tell everybody what happened? Certainly, and they're going to ask you, why did he do that? You know, he... He, he wanted the focus to be on the power of God. And, um, and, and, and he knew the tendencies of, this is Messiah. This is king. This is who's going to kick the Romans out. This is who's going to stop the influence of the Greeks and all the other heathens running around here. <laughs> they, they almost took him by force to make him king. But he knew there was something that came before that. He knew that there would be those who would cry out, we have no king but Caesar. He knew that there would be those who would not acknowledge him as king, put a crown of thorns on his head to mock him. But God help us tonight. You know, it's King Jesus in my life, in my heart. Let's stand Uh, let's go ahead and come in. Uh, I'd like for us to have our prayer time and then uh, look forward to fellowship downstairs.
Thank the Lord for um, uh, the beautiful story. Uh, the, we've heard it many, many times. Um, all of the uh, components, if I can say it that way, of of the Christmas season, the decorations, the, the cards, the greetings, the gifts, um, the manger scenes, the programs, the songs, um, all of it can become so familiar that it, you know, it doesn't, even, doesn't even land where it needs to be. Um, I know I hope we're I hope we're zeroed right in. Praise God. Amen. Not because I'm, I'm uh, trying to insist Merry Christmas. And I'm not going to say Happy Holiday. <laughs> no. Because I truly love the one who came. Huh. obscure prophecies uh, the prophets wrote about destruction of Jerusalem they, they were they were warning Israel you're you better turn around you better yet in those small books uh, scrolls that they had uh, and in the midst of judgment they would find it and say oh it says here it's going to be born in Bethlehem Oh, it says here, he's going to ride a foal, a colt, into Jerusalem. You know, and they, they could pick out different passages and know this is what he's going to do. This is what he's going to say. Praise God. And I pray God help us, help us, help us to stay focused in, in, a, in a world that's going dark. Help us to stay focused on your light. Praise God. Let's praise the Lord here for a few minutes now. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. We praise you, Lord. 